Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a real treat for you, my dear friend, sales development guru. You can find him on LinkedIn at Ryan Zadrazil. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome in my friend Ryan Zadrazil to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, Brian? Man, I'm doing very well. Ryan, for those that can see the video that we'll put out of this podcast, um, you've got a shirt that's really, really interesting, and it says, Be Kind. And I want to start there with you. You are on, on social media. You're one of the kindest people that I know. You always have a kind word and encouraging word, things like that. Has that always come naturally to you or did you have to kind of work to, to get to that point where you, where you put kindness at the forefront of everything that you did? No, that's a really good question. Um, I think it started like actually putting others before myself as like a mindset um, that started maybe after I stopped running, I was less focused on my own personal goals and more focused on other people's goals. So I started volunteering a lot and this is actually where the t-shirt came from. It's uh, NAMI Fox Valley, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And that's just, it's had a huge impact whether it be going to groups or you know, contributing to a brat fry or anything like that. Like, I'm just really passionate about giving back to others in ways that things that have given back to me. Yeah, that's, that's a great concept to have. You talk about mental illness and I'll go there to, to start our conversation this morning. You know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about the effects of mental illness on their lives and, and it seems like it's had a pot, it's had an impact on you. When did you first know that something wasn't right about you from that standpoint? And, and what did, how did you go about setting out to get it fixed? Yeah, so it started probably in kindergarten, but I didn't realize it. I was put on medications. And then as I got to the age of 13, it got very, it was really impacting my life. And it took until age maybe 17 or 18 to figure it out and really understand where the issues lie and what I needed to do as an individual and also looking for support from others in order to kind of combat that illness. When you first discovered as a, as a young teenager that you had mental illness, what was the first trigger for you that, that you said, man, something's wrong with me? Um, was it something you discovered or was it something a family member discovered? I think it was a combination of both. I switched from a public elementary school to a private um, middle school, and that's where it started having the big impact. I just wasn't acting myself, uh, distracted quite a bit. And then over time, you know, once they figured out the right medications for me to be on, it made a huge difference, and I was able to kind of live my best life. You talk about switching from a, a public elementary school to a private middle school. I, I did that as a, a youngster. My parents switched us in elementary school from a public school to a Christian school from the ages of fourth through seventh grade. 
we did the same thing with my son when he started high school. He entered a private high school. When you think about that time in your life, was that your decision to, to go to a private um, secondary school for middle school, or was that something that your, your family and you discussed because of some other things going on? So I think my family was a big part of that. I myself didn't really have a voice in the decision. It was more like, hey, we think you could get a better education here and be closer to God. So we just think it's the right fit for you at this time. Awesome. And so you go through that experience. You end up in high school. What were your high school formative years like? Were you a pretty outgoing social guy? Were you kind of trying to discover what you wanted to do in life? Talk me, Take me through those those formative high school years for you? Yeah, so the high school years were tough. I was really battling with getting on, you know, the proper medication to handle my mental illness. Um, tried playing sports, wasn't really my thing. And then I started skateboarding. And I started meeting people through skateboarding and having that social interaction and a common passion with other people that were skateboarding. So that kind of became what got me through high school. Would you geek out if you met Tony Hawk today? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> because he's kind of the skateboard, as the kids would say, he's the skateboarding OG, you know. So, oh, yeah. So what did you really – what was something that you learned getting into skateboarding that helped you – has helped you throughout your career in some way, shape, or form? Because – for me, and in, in, in the stuff behind me, I played baseball in high school, and I, I go back to some of those competitive things 30 years ago when I played baseball that, that have kind of carried me through my sales career and things like that. When you think about skateboarding, what were some lessons you learned skateboarding that helped you carry through to your sales career? Two things. Stepping out of your comfort zone on a consistent basis. Obviously, skateboarding is not the easiest thing. It takes a lot of practice. But if you're consistent with it and you try things that are outside of your comfort zone, given you don't want to get hurt, obviously. Right. But that made the biggest impact on me. And I've carried that over to when I was really passionate about running, you know, consistency and stepping out of my comfort zone, trying new things, and now with sales, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone and, again, trying new things. See, I thought you were going to tell me that that – skateboarding for you in sales means that you've got to turn really cool tricks to entertain customers and get them to come over to to your side of things because you know I could see you kind of going up the ramp and, and doing like a, 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 a you know a, 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 I can't even think now the the thing where you turn over and over maybe a flip in the air or something like that I I listen Ryan I've seen enough skateboarding to be dangerous obviously I'm not a a professional skateboarding expert. So you go, so you go through high school, you're skateboarding. I think that's so neat. And that's the reason why I want to do these conversations is to pull out stories like that, that I would not have known that about you, that you were a, a skateboarder, but you go then, you go to college. So where did you go to college? So originally, this is where the story gets interesting. So I went for, it was called Pre-Pep Press Printing and Publishing, which was essentially graphic design. I wasn't a very good student in high school. Again, I wasn't a very good student when I got in a technical college. So I ended up getting my associate's degree there. Um, tried a couple printing jobs, but it just really wasn't the right fit, what I was looking for. So then I went back to school taking evening classes 
and I was working for my uncle's winery at the same time doing deliveries and sales. So that's where the passion for sales kind of came about, doing outside sales while I was going and getting my bachelor's degree. So when you tried sales for the first time, was it kind of like somebody that tries a, and, and I'm going to go this route, maybe somebody that's a reformed vegetarian, sometimes somebody that tries steak for the first time. And they're like, oh man, this is really good. Or you mentioned brats and you're, you're a Wisconsin guy. The <laughs> first time I tried a Wisconsin brat, I was like, oh my this is this is unusual was that what it was for you when you stepped into sales for the first time you were like yeah. oh this is life-changing it, it was very different and i quickly realized that i didn't like outside sales i didn't like the physical labor portion but what i did like was the communication and building relationships with customers and just presenting the product we had to offer and kind of identifying what the benefits were for the people I was talking to. So let's transition there. You're talking about products and things like that. When you think about sales today, do you think it's, it is a more product-driven marketplace or a more process-driven marketplace? Because, and the reason I ask that question is, there are a lot of companies that have fabulous products, but their process of getting to market is not very good. You have some companies that have average product, but they have incredible delivery channels into the marketplace. I think they go hand in hand. You have to understand the product in order to understand what the customer's needs are and what product to sell them. So I think process and product go together. So a young Ryan Zadrazil, full of, full of zest and vinegar, now gets his first taste of sales and it's like oh man this is really good what did you do going forward ryan to really tap into that newfound desire that you had to change course because you mentioned a moment ago that you were going for graphic design and and that's what you wanted to do and you worked a couple printing jobs and things like that and now all of a sudden you're asking yourself to totally do a 180 and change course what was that like for you to make that transition from what you were training to do from what to what you felt like you wanted to do? I, it was really exciting. Like it was just trying to understand, you know, where my passions lie and how to leverage those. Now you, you step into your, you're going full circle now. Now, what was your first, you worked for your uncle at, at, at his winery and distribution. Tell me about your first real job in, in sales. So I had a lot of trouble getting into sales companies in my area, mainly because, you know, I didn't have inside sales experience. So they thought, you know, he's not going to be a good fit. So I ended up at a place that was kind of not, I learned a lot there, but at the same time, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for long-term. Um, in the first month I was just, you know, smile and dial, just keep going, do as many calls as I can. And I was rewarded for that because I was the top performer on the sales floor multiple times because I was able to leverage the skills I had learned prior to that at other jobs. So it was a really exciting time just to 
you know, hone my skills and get better every day. For you, and everybody has, has different ways of coming about this. Okay, I want to park on what you said there just a minute ago. You said you just, you smiled and dialed because sometimes the simplest things get us to the results that we want. It's not, you know, somebody just doesn't drop a, a, a manual in our laps and say, here you go. Here's everything you want to know about sales. Here's everything. If you read this book, you're going to be successful the rest of your life. For you, it was really simple. What did you do to encourage or motivate yourself through those times when, when the process wasn't quite going, because no process does. It's all trial and error. What did you do to encourage yourself? Or was it the fact that you started seeing results that encouraged you? I, I think it's the latter. It was seeing the results is what encouraged me to keep driving. Not to mention I had a really good manager that pushed me again, to get out of my comfort zone and try different things and different approaches. And they, they usually worked. It was just, I wasn't comfortable doing it at the beginning, but as I learned how to step out of that comfort zone, it made a big impact, you know, on my career doing inside sales. Do you think there was some correlation for you with transitioning as a teenager from skateboarding and trying skateboarding? Because to me, now in full disclosure, okay, if I tried to skateboard now, it would be, you know, my body just does, it's like yoga. My body just doesn't move that way anymore. You'll find this out when you get older, man. I would be so scared that I would be one, just I would try to get on the skateboard and five minutes later, you'd be calling 911 because an ambulance would have to show up and, and, and take me away to the, to the emergency room. For you, did you find any correlation between trying to skateboard as a youngster and trying this new thing of, of inside sales? Because you mentioned stepping out of your comfort zone, and I can see those two correlations between trying to skateboard as a, as a teenager and trying inside sales as a young adult. Yeah, every, every day is an adventure. I mean, like I said before, it's about being consistent because when you're consistent on a skateboard, you get that muscle memory and then it gets easier and easier to do the same trick time and time again. And it's the same thing with sales. The more you get the reps in and the more you step out of your comfort zone, it, it becomes I get more comfortable doing it. Ryan, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I will comment on LinkedIn and you know, you, you and I follow each other. So, you know, you know, for me, I will a lot of times when somebody posts something about sales, I'll say, okay, well, that's great. But what about consistency? Because I've said this before on LinkedIn, and I'll say it again. To me, customers crave consistency. Number one, they crave consistency because think about how we as customers buy. You know, if you're a fan of McDonald's, you love McDonald's everywhere because they're consistent. The Big Mac tastes the same in Wisconsin where you live as it does in West Virginia where I live. And if you and I would get on a plane, assuming we could, get on a plane and fly to Japan and walked into a McDonald's 6,000 miles away, the fries would taste the same and the burgers would taste the same. To me, that's consistency. You talk about consistency. How important do you think consistency is to your life and to your sales process? So I'm a big believer in having routines, both like 
before the workday and after. And I try my best, especially in the morning, to do the same routine, you know, get up at six, go on a walk after I wake up, do some LinkedIn stuff, you know, find a way to relax before I actually start that workday. So everything that would have been a distraction throughout the day now becomes something I've already accomplished and I can be proud of myself for doing it. And with consistency, it's not just important in the workplace, it's important in your personal life as well. I consistently make time to spend time with my fiance because that's important to me and I need to consistently be there for her. You better do that now, man. Trust me, being married almost 24 years, you better learn to do that now. <laughs> it's important. That's right. Ryan, now you, you transition to an inside sales job and, 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 you know, when you're at the company that you're at, were you kind of looking for the next opportunity or what was your thought process in where you were at the time that you were, that you were involved in that company? You were doing well, you were starting to, to make inroads, getting the experience that you needed in sales, but what was kind of the vision down the road for you at that time? So at the next job, after the job where I was performing really well, I started to find out about working remotely and software sales and things like that. And it really interested me. And I realized like, hey, I have to chase this dream. I have to go for it. So I reached out to people on LinkedIn and I got connected with, you know, a directive they were hiring. And I ended up there and things were going really well there. Unfortunately, COVID, you know, kind of hit us hard and now I'm at my next opportunity with One Market Sales and just trying to learn as much as I can so I can work my way into the, the positions that I want in the future, doing everything I can do today to just get there. Ryan, what, how big of a transition was it for you working remotely? Because you mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago, you were, you were on the sales floor at the company you were at. You were really doing well in inside sales. You're a guy that likes routine, consistency, things like that. I had to think it would be a big change for you when you took this next opportunity where your office was maybe a spare bedroom now or something like that. You're working outside of that setting. How big of a transition was it for you? And what did you learn through that process? Initially, it was a little bit challenging. It was what I was looking for. But I, again, I had to build structure into my day. I had to know, hey, I'm going to get this done at 8 o'clock. I'm going to get this done at 9 o'clock and I'm gonna end the day at this time. And when I end the day, I step out of my office, I close the door and that door stays closed till the next day. Yeah, there are days that my wife would like for me to just head out here to where I am. I have a separate office away from my house where I'm recording this podcast. And there's, there's like, you know, don't you have something to do outside there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't you have somewhere you gotta be? Brian, here, the, the, I'm so fascinated by how you overcame mental illness. And, and I want to go back to that for just a second, if we could, because I think so many people wear masks, you know, they, they struggle with things internally and they put on a happy face. It's like, you know, you think of the, the, the old picture of the, the sad, the clown that, that, on the outside, has got the, the makeup, and he's making the kids laugh and making animals. And, but on the inside, he's just a miserable mess. When you think about that, 
what was the biggest challenge as an adult that you had to overcome knowing that you have dealt with mental illness most of your, uh, your adolescent and teenage life? What challenge did you have to overcome with that as an adult? Consistency. Again, it's just, for me, it's really important that everything's in its place and I understand what I need to get done throughout the day. So if I know that I've accomplished everything at the end of the day that needs to get done in the structure that I'm looking for, it gives me that consistency like, hey, take my medications in the morning. Hey, do what I need to do to rev myself up for work. Hey, just keep a positive mindset and keep working. And then have a, uh, a like routine to wind down and disconnect from work and really spend time with family and things like that. Well, I love the way you say consistency because some people, and, and let's just be honest, some people might term that OCD. They might say, well, you Ryan, you're obsessive compulsive and things like that. But I love how you took that and you said, no, for me, it's consistency, it's discipline, it's structure, it's routine. Because so many times we want to put labels on things that aren't what they appear to be. How did you overcome the label of, I'm dealing with mental illness. How did you overcome that label internally? Because sometimes the biggest critic we have is ourselves. It's not anybody else out in the world. It's ourselves. How did you overcome that label within yourself? I think by holding myself accountable, you know, I'm in control of my life or at least my decisions. So I need to be accountable for those decisions and make the right one, not just what, what you think may be right. Actually talk it over with people, whether they're in my support network or they're my family, and ensure that I'm making the right decision, not just based on my gut feeling. If you could, if, if you could change one thing about the way your life has turned out, and, and I, I don't normally ask this question because for me, I could, I could think of 15 things to say. But for you, if you could change one thing, if you could go back and change one thing in your life, what would you change? <laughs> I'm giving a cliche answer, but I don't think I would really change anything. And I have a reason why. Because failures, I look at failures as opportunities. When you mess up or when you make a poor decision, it's an opportunity to progress in your life and continue to move on and make the right decisions in the future. I was hoping you would give like a longer answer, my friend. You've got just really concise, short answers, and I love it. And here, I, here I ask a five-minute question, and, and uh, you know, you, I, I love that. And that's what – listen, folks, I'm not going to apologize. These conversations are organic. I want them – I want you to feel like you're sitting with Ryan and I having this conversation. Ryan, as we've got just a couple minutes left here, and I so appreciate your time, what is your biggest piece of intentional encouragement to folks that would listen to this podcast, hear your story and connect and say, man, I was there. I, I, I know what Ryan's going through. I was, I was there. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for folks out there? Well, first of all, I just thank you for having me, Brian. It's been a fun discussion. And my piece of intentional encouragement would be treat others the way you want to be treated. It's the golden rule. 
You know, I see, even on LinkedIn sometimes, I see people just being really disrespectful. And it's frustrating because it's a professional network. Why are you being disrespectful to someone who's looking for encouragement? Well, and I had to get on to somebody because I commented on their post and I used my tagline, people buy from people. And, and it was a younger guy. And you know, he said, Oh, well, what if people buy from robots? And you know, he got a chuckle from, from one of his bros, you know, and, and I'm like, look, this is a professional platform. You're being snarky. I don't appreciate it. You know, I was legitimately commenting on something. I didn't have to engage with you. But I, I did so because I felt like I could add some value to the conversation. I love what you said there, Ryan, because again, so many people I see on social media platforms just want to attack, 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 attack. And you're like, man, wait a minute. You know, you wouldn't say that to me if I was standing in front of you. Right? No, that's that's totally right. I I feel like some people like to hide behind the keyboard. You know, they say things that they wouldn't say in person because they know they don't have to handle the reaction. They can just ignore it because it's on the computer. But when you have someone face to face and you say something like that, you're going to have to justify the reason behind why you said it. Well, Ryan Zadrazil, you're the real deal. I, I love introducing this audience to you and telling your story because, again, we find out things behind the people. And that's why I want to do the podcast is to, to tell the stories behind who you see. And you're making a great name for yourself out there on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm so proud of you, man. And, and uh, I just thank you for being a part of the podcast today. Tell people how they can get connected to you. Tell Because you and, 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 and your partner, Sam Salah, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right, do a, do a podcast called The Daily Sales Dish, which I've been a part of. And we will have Ryan and Sam back on the Intentional Encourager podcast together because I want to tell the story of how they got together to do their podcast. So tell everybody how they can get connected to you. Yeah, so the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. It's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, and then Zadrazil, Z-A-D-R-A-Z-I-L. Love to connect, you know, learn more about your story and just share, share our knowledge and grow with each other. Ryan, it has been an absolute pleasure having you today. Thank you for joining us on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Be well, my friend. Thanks for having me, Brian. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.